As we come to Mother's Day on this Sunday, I thank the Lord for, for my mom. I've really been blessed with four uh, wonderful women in my life. First one is my mom. What a blessing. Her life has been an example of faith and persistence and tenacity and growth and kindness and service. And I am so blessed. And today, my mom will watch me preach, and then she'll watch my other brother preach, and then watch a brother-in-law preach. And so now she kind of gets to sit back and, and look at all of the fruit of her labor, of her children and grandchildren, and now great-grandchildren. Also blessed with a wonderful mother-in-law, who again has a heart for the Lord and a tremendous faith and has welcomed me into uh, their family. Julie and I, when we got married and moved to Memphis and finishing up seminary, I started my first pastorate. I was 28 and Julie was 24 at the time. And we have a big mama in Olive Branch, Mississippi, who has been a grandparent to our kids and been uh, such a wonderful blessing to us. And then also not only have I been blessed by these three, but most of all, I've been blessed watching my wife be a mom. From those early days with a baby and then infants and then elementary and middle school and high school and now high school and college and out of college, I have watched her life and her love for her children. She actually is the fun one in the family. She is the relational one. She is the heart of our home. But how I remember when I would go off to work at the church and come home and she'd have the boys there and she'd been teaching them things and teaching them words and they say dada and mama and kiki for kitty. Julie always loved to have a cat around. I'm allergic to cats, but she always had a cat around. Uh, and then one of those words that, that she taught was the word, thank you. When you give the child the ball, oh, thank you. And you teach them how to say thank you. When we teach our children how to say thank you for the small things that we do for them, it is, it is that early time of, of childhood, of infancy, where we want to develop in them a grateful heart. And recognizing when someone does something for them. But those words, thank you, can become challenging words as we move into the trials and challenges of life. But as we think about what the Bible challenges us to do and calls us to do, we are to have a heart of thanksgiving. Believers in particular... We are called to cultivate and have a heart of thanksgiving. And that's what Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, I hope that you do. You'd take it, grab your phone, your iPad, and turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to pick up today in verse number 18. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. And it says this, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, 
giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That, that key verse that we're thinking about today in verse 20, as we think about giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, speaks about cultivating a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving. And with that, let's take a moment and pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth in it. And God, speak to us about being grateful people. In your name, amen. Over the last few weeks, we have probably found it quite easy to complain about everything that's going on in life around us. We complain because our restaurants aren't open. We complain because we've not been able to go where we want to go. We've not been able to gather in church. And yet, Paul challenges us in the book of Ephesians to have a heart of thanksgiving always and for all things. Now, I don't know about you, but that's very convicting to me. To have this heart that says, always and for all things, I am going to live with a heart of thanksgiving. As Paul writes this book, as he writes the book actually of Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, he is writing from a Roman prison. And as he writes these words in the book of Ephesians, and then shares this same theme of thanksgiving through the book of Philippians and Colossians. He lays out this great challenge for us that we are to have the Spirit controlling our life and thanksgiving coming from our life. He tells us in Ephesians 5.18 that we are to be filled with the Spirit. And as we are filled with the Spirit, that we are going to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we're going to sing and make melody in our heart to the Lord, that we are going to give thanks and that we are going to submit to one another in the fear of God. These are the outward activities that come from the inward filling. And that one that we're focusing on today in verse number uh, 20 giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, lays out a great challenge for our life. A great challenge for me, and I know a great challenge for, for all of us. What he challenges us is, is as believers that we are to have a heart of thanksgiving. See, believers are to live with a heart of thanksgiving. We're to have that heart. See, thanksgiving is a command in Scripture. He tells us here that we are to give thanks always for all things. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it tells us that in everything we are to give thanks to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, for this is the will of God concerning you. It is God's will that we are thankful people. Paul, as he teaches us and challenges us even in prayer. In Philippians 4, 6, he tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul, as he writes this from a prison, is not just saying this is how it should be. He's practicing and showing us how it should be. As we think of the book of Ephesians, again, remember the book of Colossians was written right alongside of this book. And in Colossians 3.15, he challenges, he says, And let the peace of God rule in your heart, 
to which you were called into one body and be thankful. And then in Colossians 3, 17, he says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever we do, word or deed, we're to do it all in the Lord's name, giving thanks to God the Father. It is a command that is laid out to us. This command is uh, the preacher Charles Spurgeon laid out in the 1800s, reminds us of the goodness of God. He said this, every hour, yes, every moment has brought a favor upon its wings. Look downward and give thanks for you are saved from hell. Look on the right and give thanks for you are enriched with gracious gifts. Look on the left hand and give thanks For you are shielded from deadly ill. Look above you and give thanks for heaven awaits you. Throughout the New Testament, as Paul lays this out, he's just echoing sentiments of the Old Testament. Psalm 100 and verse number four, we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Psalm 136, one, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Be a person that follows the command to give thanks. But also we see in this passage that thanksgiving is a a consequence of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's a consequence of the Holy Spirit. He, here he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be controlled, be filled by the Holy Spirit. And as you are filled by the Holy Spirit, you're going to have thanksgiving come from your life. Thanksgiving. Now, at the moment of salvation, all of us receive the Holy Spirit in our life. And as we say no to the flesh and no to self and allow God to control us through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit builds this heart of gratitude within us and that gratitude comes out and expresses itself through thanksgiving. So that one of the outward signs of the inward control of God's Spirit in our life is that we are to be thankful. How do you respond when there's a traffic jam? How do you respond when you have to wait? How do you respond when things don't go your way? How do you respond when you receive a blessing? See, all of these clue us into who or what controls our life. Do I control my life or does God's spirit control my life? And when God's spirit controls my life, then I'm going to be a thankful person. One of the key ways that I look and evaluate my own life and often see myself fall so short is how thankful am I through a trial, through a challenge, through a crisis. I pray that during this time when you've been quarantined at home, when maybe life has had lots of interruptions and your children are home and you can't see your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren and school has been closed and church hasn't been open for, for our public gatherings, I pray that you could look back and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for how you did this, how you spoke to me here, how you showed your presence here. 
And that as God fills you with his spirit, that that would come out of your life. Believers are to live with a heart of thanksgiving. But notice in this passage that we are, as believers, are to live with a heart of thanksgiving to God. Again, notice back right here at the passage because we want to we want to make sure and stay true to the to the text here. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father. We recognize that our thanksgiving is aimed to God the Father. So so what does this mean for us? That thanksgiving responds to the good gifts of God. Thanksgiving is going to respond to those good gifts that God has given us. God has given us so many blessings and so many wonderful things. And now our response to those gifts is to be a heart of thanksgiving. James 1.17 tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. When God is called the Father of lights and there's no variation or shadow of turning, when we think of, of a pole outside and how the sun moves, it casts its shadow different ways depending on where the sun is located. Here, the Bible gives us the picture that with God there is no variation. There is no changing. He is the Lord. He does not change. He is good all the time, and all the time he is good. And he gives us good gifts. A nice meal. Have you thanked God? A warm shower. Cold air conditioning. A car that gets me from point A to point B. A roof over our head. Times when we've laughed. Family that we've enjoyed. Friends that love us. Watching children. Watching puppies. Kitties. All of those moments, those moments that, that give us that, that sense of, of happiness or laughter or enjoyment, those are all gifts of God. If, if you can look across the room and, and see a picture of someone that you love, or you can look across the chair or the couch and see someone who loves you, you have been given a good gift of God. But notice, those gifts are, are, are part of the picture, but this tells us that we're to give thanks to God always for all things. So thanksgiving has to respond in faith to God as well. <laughs> as, as we look at this passage, as it says that we're to give thanks always for all things. Can I tell you the word always in the Greek means always the word all things in the Greek means all things. I, I really wish that it, it would say that we would give thanks often for most things. I mean, we could probably do that. I, I can give thanks often. I can give thanks for most things. But what about the challenges and the trials and the crises in my life? Here... 
Paul, again, not only tells us, but exemplifies how we are to live. Remember, he's sitting in a Roman prison as he's writing this. And he says, give thanks to all, to always for all things. God, I am always thanking you for all things. That's a big, tall order. And that's why it takes the filling of the Spirit. Always. For all things. When we think about all things, you you have to look and say, well, what about the evil things that go on around us? Psalm 97.10 tells us that those who love God hate evil. And there are things that we should hate. We hate to see a child abused or a man murdered. We uh, we hate those things, those evil things that are so prevalent in our society. But here's what we ultimately know as one of God's children. That phrase, all things, in Ephesians 20, applies to all things in Romans 8, 28. You remember? That God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. I can't always explain how he works it for good. I, I, in, in his infinite wisdom, God is working and moving in ways that we cannot see and ways that we do not understand. But he tells us that through the challenges and trials of life that we are to remain with a grateful heart because God ultimately controls our life. He controls all the things that come into our life and he is working them out ultimately for our good, for his glory. And again, we are so short-sighted and we are so limited. We have to understand that this takes place in faith. Some of you are walking through a trial today. Some of you are walking through hurt today and challenges today, would you look to your father and say, God, thank you that you're at work in my life. Thank you, God, that you are with me. God, that I can trust you with my future. God, that I am in your hand and I know that you work all things together for good. God, I am yours. I trust you. So that always, and in all the things that we face, all the trials we walk through, we can say, Lord, thank you. Don't understand it, but Lord, thank you. When I surrendered to ministry, I wrote my childhood pastor, and he sent me a set of commentaries by a man who rode in the late 1600s and early 1700s named Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry was robbed on one occasion, and this is his response to being robbed and what he wrote in his diary that evening. He said this, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they didn't take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. What a word and what a challenge. 
that we are to be thankful always for all things. Now we're we're building. Believers are are to, to have a heart and to live with a heart of thanksgiving. And we are to live with a heart of thanksgiving to God. And then notice again in verse number 20 that we are to live with a heart of thanksgiving to God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what it says, that we are to give thanks to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to know Jesus, everything changes. We're given a new life. The Holy Spirit comes in. Everything changes. Our perspective moves just from earth to eternity. Everything changes. Our sin is forgiven. Our life is changed forever. We have a relationship with God. And so as as he qualifies this and says, we are to give thanks to God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I want to just give you some thoughts. Think about, think about and focus on uh, who you are in Christ. Give thanks for who you are in Christ. If you've come to know Jesus today, your life has been radically changed. The Bible in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that, that the old has passed away and behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation today. Ephesians 1.1, Paul calls these believers saints. In Ephesians 1.5, he tells, that they have, tells them that they have been adopted into God's family. And remember 1 John 3.1, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. We're a saint because of Jesus, because of his salvation, because of his forgiveness. Who am I today? I'm a child of the king today because of Jesus. So that I look at life and I look at my, my life in perspective of how Jesus has changed me. He has changed who I am. But then we think about why you are in Christ. Why Why are you in Christ? Is it because good that you've done? Nope. Romans chapter 8 reminds us that we are in Christ because God did not spare his son, but gave him up or delivered him up for us all. Why are you in Christ? Because Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sin. And he rose again. And the only way that you can come to know him is through belief. So how are you in Christ? And how you are in Christ is is made up of that one word, believe. Believe. How you are in Christ today. You can give thanks today because you're in Christ because you believed. Jesus did all the work. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He paid the penalty for your sin. He suffered the anguish and the grief and the separation of God for you. And now you have to turn to him in faith and belief. That's what Ephesians 2a, it tells us that that by grace, by God's mercy, his grace, his undeserved merit, his undeserved love that he showed toward us. While we were sinners, that the Lord Jesus, for for by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Not of our works, lest any of us should boast. It's a free gift from him. Then we think about not only only that picture of who you are and why you are and how you are in Christ, but what you have in Christ. 
Go back to Ephesians chapter 1 again and, and, and look at verse number 3, where he tells us that the Lord God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Or 2 Peter 1.3, where the Lord has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Or the promise that he's given us in Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Can I tell you what you have in Christ? Enough. Enough. Everything you need. As Paul was facing the trial of, of some kind of thorn in his flesh, He prayed, God, please remove it. God, please remove it. God, please remove it three times. And the Lord said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It's when you're in your weakness that I'm going to show myself strong. Today, some of you are in weakness. And through your weakness, give thanks. His grace is sufficient. And he shows himself strong then we focus on where we're going. Give thanks for where you are going. Paul, as he challenges these believers, in Ephesians chapter 2, he he tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but, but we've been made alive. God, who is rich in mercy, in verse number four, because of his great love, wherewith he loved us, has made us alive together in Christ. For by grace are you saved. And then in Ephesians 2, uh, 6, it says, and he's raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then notice Ephesians 2, 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In the ages to come, he's going to show his exceeding riches to you. For many of us, this is all we know and we want to hold on. And the Lord says, the best is yet to come. So no matter where you are today, if you know Jesus, give thanks The best is yet to come. You're facing a crisis today. Give thanks. The best is yet to come. His exceeding riches and his kindness is ready to be lavished upon you for all eternity. Focus on where you're going. If you don't know for certain that you know Jesus today, the Bible says that all of us are disqualified from heaven because we've thought things, said things, done things that have have broken God's commandments, broken his rules. And because we're imperfect and sinful, he cannot allow us into a perfect, sinless, holy heaven in the presence of a perfect, sinless, holy God. So he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And Jesus rose again from the dead and he offers us the free gift of salvation and eternal life. And we have to receive that gift by faith, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can be saved. I don't know what's going on in your life today, but I want to challenge you to take a few minutes this afternoon and cultivate a heart of thankfulness. How has God shown himself faithful to you? What has God done for you? When I was a child in church, there was a, 
little chorus that said, there's a roof up above me. I have a good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You've given your love, Lord, and a fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. I would have to guess that if your life is facing difficulty today, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done, is doing, has promised for those who love him. And with that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the awesome and wonderful privilege it is to be yours. God, we are so thankful for you sending your son. We are so thankful for your free gift of salvation. We are so thankful for forgiveness, for adoption into your family. We're so thankful that you hold us in your hand. We're so thankful that you promise us heaven for all eternity. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Lord, thank you. May that be a resonating theme in our heart. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. And it's in the awesome and powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I want to challenge you to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving. And I want to challenge you today to write down something, someone you're thankful for. Maybe there's someone you need to write a note to and just say, thank you. Maybe there's someone you need to call or email and just say, thank you. Thank you. Or maybe you just need to take a few moments in prayer, not asking God for anything, but just saying, Lord, I want to enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you on May 24th. God bless.